0: you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabine. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Naz, good morning. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good morning to Luke, too. Hey, good morning, Mr. Lou Franceschetti, joining us again. Uh, Lou, how are you this morning?
2: Oh, I'm great today. Are you guys?
1: Uh, We're fantastic, thank you. It's a beautiful day outside. Uh, Actually tried to get a tee-off time this morning, and uh, there are a couple of courses uh, open the weekend, but uh, it's been an incredibly difficult time getting tee times uh, this particular year, so uh, uh, we'll have to find some other pursuits for today with do some work outside somewhere. Anyways, gentlemen, um, uh, just let our listeners know what's coming up on the show. Uh, just after the first break, we'll be talking to the former Toronto Maple Leaf and co-host of First Up on TSN, Carlo Kogliakovo, a friend of the Nazo Only Sports Hour. And we're catching up with John Amendola, sports card impresario. It's going to bring us up to speed on the sporting card world. He's got this great new business venture, Mintink. Uh, New sponsor to the show is uh, the uh, Business Opportunity is going gangbusters. Uh, He's thriving. It's a great year to be in sports card collecting, and uh, we'll chat with him later on in the hour. Guys, there are moments when uh, you have to pause and uh, you think, and then you look back on a remarkable career. Uh, Naz, you and I have done tribute shows on uh, on the air over the course of the set last six years, Johnny Bauer, Jean Bellavo Gordy Howe, Muhammad Ali. Uh, we're. It's not going to be a tribute show to Diego Mar- Maradona, but I do want to pay tribute. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't. He is one of the giants of the sporting world in the 20th century, at the very, very, very top. Uh, unquestionably, a flawed. Human being in some ways, uh, battled substance abuse, uh, battled certain demons, but when he was on a soccer pitch, uh, you were watching a genius, you are watching a Mozart, you were watching uh, someone who was born to be a soccer player. He was absolutely, absolutely uh, a joy to watch, uh, born to be a soccer player, a national hero in Argentina. The country is mourning him. Led Napoli and Serie A to uh, a couple of titles in the late in the late eighties. Uh, hero in Italy as well in many ways. Um, gentlemen, Diego Maradona was voted by FIFA um, the greatest soccer player of the twentieth century. in a in a in a, a as actually it was one A and one B him and Pele. Uh, when you think of the greats of our youth in various sports, uh, Maradona in a way that. Perhaps we don't even understand in North America. Uh, around the world, he was a god uh, when he played soccer. Although not necessarily in England, and we can chat about that. But I'll take the opportunity now to turn it over to you guys. Uh, your thoughts on? I played quite a bit of soccer when I was younger, and um, yeah, he's he's one of the greatest athletes ever, ever in any sport. Naz, your thoughts?
3: Wally after seeing the clips of him, he can really he runs faster with the ball than without. He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. What 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 a great soccer player he was. Can't can't believe he's only, he's only sixty years old. That's sad to hear. But right. a very yeah. good soccer. That Lou wow.
1: Lou, your thoughts?
2: Well, you know what? It's uh watching or, or growing up watching uh, Maradona play against uh, the Italians and the rest of the world, I would definitely put him in the top probably five uh, in the world. Obviously, there were some soccer players out there that we didn't get a chance to to, to see. Uh, I knew he was uh, one gentleman or one person that can pretty much own the country of Argentina. But it just goes to show to everybody that he was human. Uh, the stuff that went on uh, off the uh, so-called soccer pitch... Uh, he, he wasn't above everybody else. He just, he wanted to live his life. And sometimes when you do that, you get into trouble. And uh, uh, that's the only way I, I can express uh, my condolences, that he was a human being and he made a lot of mistakes. He just wanted to uh, go
1: out and live the love, live the life that he wanted to. Yeah, too, too many mistakes. But, you know, who are we to judge? Um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, 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 you know i'm not in the judgment business so uh, you know we um, we would have hoped that uh he would have uh, you know lived gracefully to 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 a longer age but uh, maradona's maradona um interesting um interesting story about diego that i had completely and utterly forgot about and uh i was doing a little bit of reading about him last night and watched one of the one of the one of the specials uh... documentaries on him uh... and it came to light there was an article written uh... interestingly enough on september fourteenth of the of this year uh, in the in the athletic by a writer by the i'll give him credit pablo Mauer. i am not exactly sure how to pronounce his name i'm not sure i've never seen the name before so i'm not so sure he's a canadian writer but it was a very lengthy, detailed, and and very great article about a game that to, Diego Maradona played for Toronto Italia in the National Soccer League. I'd completely forgotten about this. It sort of jogged my memory. On September 2nd, 1996, there was a gentleman that was... Um, was very familiar to all of us who played in minor soccer in uh, in the 70s and 80s and 90s in the Toronto area. His name was Pat from Milford Auto Body, Pasquale Piaccola, who uh, who brought him in. He was the owner of Toronto Italia at the time. Brought him in uh, because uh, Diego Maradona's brother had played for Toronto Italia. Lalo Maradona um, had played for Toronto Italia, and 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 Pat at Milford asked him if we could get Diego for what for to come to Toronto. He actually played a game in Toronto on September 2nd, 1996 at Birchmount Stadium of all places. It was Toronto, Italia against the National Soccer League All-Stars. And the place was, and there's an actual, actual video on the internet, uh, a 12-minute video taken of Maradona in the dressing room with the Toronto Italian players, Maradona out on the field. The, the, the crowd absolutely mobbed him. He scored a goal on a corner kick. Uh, he got subbed out right at the end of the game. The boss's son went in to uh, Louie went in, and he was absolutely and utterly mobbed by the fans. The, it was just Argentinian flags and Toronto and Italian flags the entire game. The, it was standing room only. People were selling tickets for four times what they were worth at Birchmount Stadium. A long-forgotten piece of trivia, Diego Maradona actually played a game in Toronto obviously he wasn't he wasn't his was 1996 he had gone through all of his troubles he wasn't the player he was overweight at the time but uh, you watch some of the still, watch some of the highlights of that video and you're looking at a guy the absolute uh, he he knew how to uh he, once the ball got in his foot it was like on a string diego maradona of course uh, will be remembered for probably 5 minutes of soccer more than anything else It was 1986, the World Cup against England. Who can forget it? The infamous hand of God. Um, And, uh, of course, they didn't have video replay in those days. Uh, uh, Didn't uh, goal that should not have counted. in five minutes later in Mexico, Steca Stadium, he dribbles through the entire English team and scores the goal of all goals ever in soccer, uh, at a most critical time in the World Cup, uh, probably never to be repeated, but uh, he will always be remembered for those five minutes. And of course, the two Serie A titles in uh, in Italy made him a hero in Italy as well. Guys, uh, we've got to go to break uh, really quickly. Last thoughts, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up, and we'll get back with Carlo Colliacovo. Naz, yeah. Uh, last thoughts before we go to break? Um,
3: okay. The two old guys boxing last night. I like talk about that. Okay.
1: Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to uh, Which, which – we'll, we'll start that one up with, with Koliakobo and, uh, of course, talking about Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, we'll be right back. Carlo Koliakobo, the co-host of First Up and TSN, uh, right after the
4: break.
5: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realized we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Raul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Raul wants is an inflatable waste.
0: Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian
6: Rigobon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks
1: among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway
7: 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
0: Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby or rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. Is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM 7, 740 on downtown Toronto, FM 96.7. Uh, live streaming on the internet, ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, former Toronto Maple Leaf co-host of TSN's First Up Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Of course, I'm talking about Carlo Culiacovo. Good morning, Carlo.
7: How are you? morning, boys. Happy Sunday. I am uh, doing great. Uh, excited for um, my normal every Sunday when NFL's on. So it uh, should be a fun one. Carlo, we're going to have a
1: wide-ranging conversation with you today. I'm, I don't know if you I, oh, I, I told you, but we got Leap and Lou Franceschetti on the line with us today. So, uh What's up, Louie? Hey, Carlo. Go, Bama. <laughs> Go, Bama. <laughs> <laughs> before we get into it, before we get into it, Carlos, I just want your thoughts. Uh, we just had a wide, uh, rambling conversation about uh, about uh, Diego Maradona. Uh, are you a big fan of his?
7: Um, I mean, my dad was more than I was. Um, obviously, growing up in an Italian family, I followed you know the Azzurri and, and Italy and stuff, and. Uh, was always reminded about uh, the, the legend uh, that uh, Diego Maradona was. I mean, how he put uh, the 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 country of Argentina on the map with with his soccer brilliance and um, you know his, his his display of skills and and and, and iconic goals. Um, he'll always be remembered in the soccer world, and it's just really really sad to to see that uh, twenty twenty has taken another uh, legend away from us.
1: Naz, I'll
3: turn it over to you. What did you think of the uh, fight last night between Jones and Tyson? Oh. <laughs> well, to be honest, you,
7: I was more uh, excited to see the fight before it uh, with Jake <laughs> Paul and Nate Robertson. Um, it's unfortunate the way that ended, but uh, it goes to show you that um, you know boxing is more of a lifestyle than a sport. And I think the guys touched on it really well last night that. You know, credit to Nate Robinson and, and the incredible athlete that he is, but to, to jump in a ring with a guy that you know boxes for a living and trains for a living, you really feel sorry. And ultimately, that was the end result. Uh, Tyson and Roy Jones. Um, you know, I thought in the beginning it 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 it, uh, it really gave us a chance to see some fireworks. I thought Tyson came out and. You know, was moving around, was, was, uh, you know, it was, was throwing like, like a young Tyson. But as the, as the, as the match went on, you kind of saw that both guys were starting to fatigue a little bit. I think it was more of sportsmanship, um, you know, the later the, 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 they got into the rounds. But uh, ultimately, you know, I don't think it had the same hype without the fans in the stands because you, you would imagine, you know, even just with the entrances, uh, I kind of liked the, what Mike Tyson did with his song at the entrance. He, he made it about <laughs> himself, which was hilarious. Uh, but ultimately, you know, controversial with the way that it ended in a draw. You know, there was, there was a lot of people, especially in Vegas. Well, Vegas was happy about it because they won both ways. But uh, a lot of people were kind of, uh, you know, dis- disappointed in the fact that they they went that route to give it a draw. But ultimately, you understand why. These are two guys. At age 50, that took a chance and took a risk and, you know, um, ultimately ended up trying to entertain us. And I thought, for the most part, they did a pretty good job.
1: Uh, I've got a different take on it, Carl. I and mean, I'll turn it over to you, Lu- uh, Lou. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact Tyson is uh, a controversial character. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's really, a, um, for lack of a better term, uh, I mean, he's got the eye of the tiger
5: uh, in, the, <laughs> in, the,
1: in the ring. I'm yeah. not so sure Gaming Commission should be licensing 54-year-olds and 51-year-olds for heavyweight boxing matches. Um, and it's so it's entertainment that. value, I get it. Yeah, But they, these guys have taken a lot of blows to the head. The way we're sensitive about brain injuries nowadays, yeah. I know that they, if they're fully consenting adults. I, I get that part of it. But gaming uh the athletic commissions in the states, you know, they they have functions. They're not supposed to let guys in the ring that uh <laughs> that could injure themselves. And uh, you'd have a tough time convincing me that a licensing commission should be licensing guys at this age to go in the ring and take headshots
4: and, and you know and you
1: have you to suffer like- the consequences. You know, 5'10". I mean, they've taken enough headshots in their lives, yeah. man. You've
7: got to get past it. I was actually worried about that, too, going into the fight because of what we just saw the fight before, with Nate Robertson. I'm actually surprised the referee let that continue on after he looked stung, at, you know, with two blows to the head, knowing that he was starting to fatigue, he was looking weaker in the match, and Jake Paul just kept, you know, finding more energy. And, you, you know, ultimately that was the end result. He ends up getting knocked out and going into the next fight with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, who you who you just mentioned, in their fifties. That's the last thing you want to see, you know, is is a guy take that risk and ultimately end up with that result. Luckily we didn't see it last night. And uh who knows to say where it goes from here. Um I know Tyson loved it. Um he came out and said that he enjoyed it and was thinking about doing it again, but I don't know if I'm, like, even when this whole thing was announced, I, I didn't really get too excited about it because of what you just mentioned. Like, you know, you worry about what these guys have been through in their, in their lives and their career and what they've done lately. And I know, you know, they spend months training for it, but boxing is a lifestyle, man. Once you give it up, it's tough to get back into it. Yeah. Uh,
1: Lou, uh, you're, you're getting up there. I mean, I know you're in pretty good shape. Uh, you're a bit of a pugilist when you, uh, when you played hockey. Uh, your, your thoughts on football? Uh, on on heavy on the, on the bout last night. I don't know if you followed it or if you got any thoughts about whether you know uh, somebody at this stage of their lives should be exchanging head blows. You
2: know what? It was so exciting. I even forgot to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really didn't. Uh, I I didn't care much for it. Uh, I'm not a big boxing fan. Uh, at least not now. With with really no names out there. Uh, growing up, there was a probably a handful of names that everybody used to follow. And mm-hmm. uh, we followed them uh, almost every single day. Uh, but again, you know, I played in a lot of alumni games and I start to feel it. Uh, you know, the legs just aren't there. The reaction's just not there. Uh, and with us being on skate, if we react the wrong way, we could end up getting hurt because we can fall into the boards or we can break an ankle or uh, being on the ice. I just couldn't understand how these guys would – at their age uh, get in a ring and especially known as serious as Mike Tyson is that he wouldn't have, uh, you know, it wouldn't have taken him two seconds to think of, of hitting uh, Roy Jones with a, with a blow, uh, bite his ear off. <laughs> especially in the head. <laughs> uh, well, here's the so here's the it's just part, one of those things that I, I never would have imagined. Uh, I, I would have rather watched, uh, uh, Jack Nicholas or somebody else play 18 holes against, uh, the young stud. uh, and watching uh, and these two guys throwing punches at each other.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, this may be not this may not be the last one. Uh, if, if the financial results last like were pretty good, they're talking about uh, uh, keeping this going for a while. I, I, I my, my, I, you know, in one in one sense, I want to applaud these guys for getting into shape, and uh, you know, and they I mean they look both look pretty good for their age, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced it's a great idea. Carlo, let's move on to the big topic in the hockey world. Are we going to have a hockey season? Uh, Bettman and the owners and the, uh, and the, uh, and the NHLPA are playing that scorched earth policy, that yeah. uh, Russian roulette. Uh, Bettman is the ultimate, the ultimate negotiator. Uh, but the players don't look like they want to back down just yet. They cut a deal back in July, and I think the owners want them to throw a little bit more back on the table.
7: Carlo, what's going on? Yeah, I don't know if you would consider or label uh, Gary Bettman the ultimate negotiator because I feel like this is the last thing that he's really wants to engage himself in. I mean, everything that I've heard, um, first of all, I, I truly believe that we are going to have hockey this year. It's just a matter of when. And you know, I'm I'm actually surprised that it's 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 come to this at this juncture, considering that the NBA has found a way to come back um and they're ready to start next week. Um, you know, and, and to, to, to think that, you know, this whole shutdown or pause in sports started with the NBA leading the way, you know, with their their um Rudy Gobert positive test, they shut down the league and everybody followed. They decided to return to play and everybody followed. And now, you know, they're the leaders again to, you know, start their season. And I I expect everybody else to follow, which is, you know, what the NBA or what the NHL should uh, focus on, you know, doing as well, too, because you don't want to get too far behind uh, with the league get started and and lose your audience. But the NHL is different. Uh, The NHL doesn't, can't operate um, in a season without fans you know, like the NBA or the NFL can get by because they just make so much money in other revenues. And I can understand the stance that the NHL is taking with the owners saying that they want the players to, um, you know, concede more. But I also am on the side of the players saying that one of the big reasons they agreed to come back in the bubble format was to have financial and long-term CBA security. And so that was agreed on and it was agreed on in good faith. And everything that I know was that all the worst case scenarios were presented to the owners. So they were aware of, you know, what this season could possibly hold and they still agreed to it. And I just find it bizarre and mind boggling that they're taking this approach, you know, at this time in the world where, you know, we're going through a second wave, you know, people are still losing their jobs. Yeah, the, the revenues aren't where they at. But I think both play, both parties have to be prepared to take a loss. And the players are already prepared to take a loss with 20% and 10% deferral. Um, and I think Gary right now is in a position where he probably realizes he, he agreed on a bad deal in, in the sense that, you know, the owners are going to lose more money than they anticipated. Um, but... You know, and I think he's taking this stance too where the longer he delays this, the more he's going to put more pressure on the players. And everything that I heard of the players is that they want to play. And they want to play and a play to the, the deal that was agreed on. I mean, in life, everybody grows up with the term that a deal is a deal. So I don't understand how you can go back on your word or at least an agreement that has been uh, both signed and and, and sealed, um, you know, with with the CBA. And, you know, it just... It makes you think, like, if the owner, if, if, if this was the deal that was agreed on and the players didn't like it, you think, what would you think the player, the the owners would say if the players tried to reopen (laughs) the CBA? They'd tell them to take a hike. So, you know, the players, you know, for the last two decades, the players have conceded billions of dollars in the CBA and they've made the owners a lot of money. And don't get me wrong, the players have made a lot of money too. But, you know, the numbers that I'm hearing of, you know, $300 million is the number that the owners are asking the players to forego or continue to defer or at least give back in this season. If you divide that by 30 teams, that's $10 million a team. Are they really going to sacrifice canceling the season over $10 million a team to, you know, to, to hurt the brand of hockey and to hurt the brand of the NHL? I can't see it happening. I think at the end of the day, Gary has a set number of games he wants to play. I have to believe it's 48 because that's the formula that's worked before, and you know whatever day he feels like it wants to start it is when it's going to start.
1: Nas, I'll turn it over to you,
7: Carl. How would you react to the situation with the virus that uh,
3: hockey is going to start uh, sooner than we think? With people in the stands. Is the NHL better off waiting for that to start to restart the season so that we have
7: people in the stands? You know what? I I always struggle with this answer because to me, when I look at our world uh, we've been living through this for about nine months right now. And I think we have to give ourselves credit because, you know, we've learned a lot and we've been given a lot of information on how to live with this thing around us, which includes professional athletes. And you see the leagues that are operating right now. We saw major league baseball go through some, um, you know, hiccups in the beginning, but they figured it out and they were able to finish the season we see what the NFL is doing, where they're, 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 they have protocols in place. They're asking players to follow their protocols. And you know when, when you know these positive tests comes up, they deal with it. So the thing that I struggle with is in our world, we're still allowing businesses to stay open. We're still allowing people to go to work. We're still allowing people to congregate in public in malls, at schools and stuff. So if we're being told and being allowed to be in these places where you're following protocols of social distancing, wearing masks, you know, and keeping your distance, I still don't understand why you can't have or allow fans into buildings at limited capacity doing the same things. Like, I'm not I'm not advocating that you fill these buildings up, but, you know, if, if an if a NHL rink has 20,000, why can't you have 5,000 people in, in, in those rinks properly socially distanced, wearing masks, I mean, we're seeing, you know, sports like college football, like uh, NFL. I know they're outdoor stadiums and stuff, but they're finding a way to make it happen. And, you know, I would imagine that the NBA is, has, you know, set out precedents, too, that they want to find ways to include fans following those same protocols. So um, I, 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 I'm i still trying to digest all this and, and understand why. I understand there's risk taken when you when you allow and present that to happen, but you know there, there should be a way that allows some fans to be in the stands, and if there's not, then you then you understand why the the financial repercussions come from it. Um, you know, hockey is is you know a five billion dollar industry, and a lot of it is is generated through tickets that they sell. So when you don't have that, you know, you understand you know why you know the revenue isn't being met. So I, I listen. Nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing's going to be one hundred percent risk free. Uh, just just like you know, the NBA starting there, they have to prepare for guys testing positive for these things. But ultimately, you know, what I give the NFL a lot of credit for is they have these protocols in place. They're following these protocols. They're, 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 they're handing out fines, but they're also finding a way to push through it, which is what I think our world needs to find a way to do, you know, obviously in the safest way possible and what sports has to find a way to do in the safest way possible. Yeah, talking about
1: the uh, NFL enforcing their rules uh, uh, because the Denver Broncos didn't follow their rules, mm-hmm. they got to play without a quarterback today. So I, I'm actually kind of shocked that the NFL is going ahead with that game. Uh, but uh, Broncos have no, they've got no, no quarterbacks. They're going to have yeah. to bring in somebody who was uh, probably a quarterback in college or something that's now a wide receiver, but. <laughs> they clearly—I uh, think—Goodell's uh, uh, response to it. They broke the rules. They have to pay the consequences. Exactly. They allowed—they allowed, they allowed exactly. their quarterbacks to not socially distance when one had been uh, tested for COVID, and uh, they're paying the price for that today. So,
7: and to you know, be honest with you, I totally agree with the move because, listen, before the season started, and before every season starts for any league there's got to be a code of conduct that these players and everybody involved has to sign. We're basically saying, these are the rules you have to live by to play in this type of season. And if you can't play by them, either opt out or you're going to be penalized. And that's the approach that the that the NFL has taken right here. They have protocols in place. They have reminded teams on a weekly basis and even through conference calls that they have to continue to be diligent with these um, you know, the safety hazards or, or protocols that they have to follow. And if they're not, they're going fa- to the, uh, pay the price for it. So in this case here, if you let the team off the hook because they weren't following the proper guidelines, what type of uh, precedent or example are you setting? So, you know, teams went into the season knowing that, hey, listen, you know, we have to be flexible with our schedule, but we also have to understand that, this is going to be a season of survival of the fittest. And if you're going to play by the rules, you're going to have the best chance of competing and best chance of having success for that. And if you don't, you're going to pay the price. And in this, in this case, based on the information that's being leaked, you know, you had a, you had a quarterback that tested positive, but you had all four guys in a room that probably weren't properly socially distant and weren't even wearing a mask. So like, like how, how stupid do you have to be knowing that? you know, this is, this is the potential that could possibly happen when you're being irresponsible. And now we're seeing, you know, the worst case of it happening. We're seeing an outbreak in Baltimore because we've had careless guys on that team, um, you know, not follow the rules either. And, you know, I give credit for, to the NFL, you know, that they're, they're obviously prioritizing health and safety, but they're also prioritizing that, hey, the onus is on the players. And the players have to be responsible if they want to continue playing the season and if they want to continue to get paid, playing a season. So I credit them for, for um, you know, for pushing through here. Uh, the Denver Broncos are obviously left with a very unique scenario, but we've seen crazier things happen in sports. <laughs> uh, we saw an e yeah. goalie come in in the NHL last year and <laughs> win an NHL game with David Ayer. So, uh, who's you know, it would be crazy to think that they could possibly win a game with no quarterback. Oh, yeah, you, never know. Know. you, you, you uh, never know.
2: You uh, uh, never know. That... Go oh, ahead, I'm Luke. Sorry. No, go ahead, Luke. No, no, I'm I'm just listening to uh, to everything here, and it's more or less, you know, professional athletes are are a different breed altogether, Mm -hmm. and they more or less, they beat to their own drum, so to speak. I'm just curious on how the National Hockey League is going to handle one or two positive tests since they play every three or four days. The NFL football can more or less adjust their schedule because they play once a week, but how do you stack up 48 games when certain players start catching this virus, and then you mm-hmm. start either well, postponing games, adding games at the end of the year, and then they're going to start complaining? Well, we're playing three games in four nights, and we're playing two like we're going from one place to another, and then I mean, we got the all Canadian uh, uh, North American border that we've got to that they have to cross. Obviously, you know there's going to be ramifications there. We're going to have an all Canadian uh, conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our division uh, compared to all uh, American divisions.
7: Well, that's an interesting. Yeah, point, yeah, Lou, I, I'm curious to see how they're gonna they're they're gonna play this whole thing out too when it comes to, um, you know, dealing with positive tests. Um, I think if there's if there's a scenario that you know they could they could be encouraged about is the way baseball operated. I mean, baseball was worse because they played every every day. Right. And, you know, in the beginning, they like I said, you know, they had a couple outbreaks with teams like uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. But after they got through that, they were they were able to push through, um, you know, just you know, being able to limit the amount of uh, uh, positive tests that they were. So um, that's going to be an encouraging sign for the NHL. But, you know, at the end of the day, the NBA is going to be doing the same thing. Uh, playing their season and and they've they've actually laid out their protocols as of yesterday saying that if any player gets it, they'll be isolated for 10 days or have to have two negative tests before they return. And, you know, you have to think that the NHL is going to follow the same protocol. I think the one thing that really um, impresses me is this whole contact tracing that the NFL has developed with a, with a bracelet, how you have to wear your bracelet everywhere to it because it determines you know who you've been in close contact with. I mean, I, I'm more interested to hear how that whole device uh, works, and and you know may, maybe this is something that other leagues look into to help manage the scenario. But ultimately, um, you know, the the, the onus is going to be on the players again. It's going to be their acts and their <clears throat> responsibilities, um, out, you know, at the rink and away from the rink. You know that ultimately ends up determining the fate of you know how this whole season plays out. Uh, we've been talking to Carlo Kolyakov. Carlo, we've got to let you go. Uh,
1: before we let you go, our our next uh, our next interview right after the break is John Amadol. We're going to be talking about uh, sports cards, the booming sports cards. Got to ask you, uh, there must be a few Carlo Kolyakov uh, hockey cards out there. Which <laughs> one? Which one's your favorite
7: one? Uh, man, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, there's actually one of me, um, in my world junior tournament where I'm celebrating a goal with the fans in the background. Um, it was an old one back in 2001 that somebody gave to me. And, you know, I know my, my, my parents have a, have a box set at home, um, of all my cards in them. And, and it's funny you bring this up just as, just as I caught on, just as, uh, I got on the line with you guys. I was opening up uh, a pack of Tim, those new Tim Hortons hockey cards yep. uh, that they have. Um, you know, a box set was sent to me, and I was opening up with my son. And the excitement in his face, you know, when we were opening them, there's, there's three cards in each set. But the first set that I opened up, <laughs> you guys will know, you guys will laugh. Connor McDavid, wow, Andy Crosby, Nathan McKinnon. You hit, my, the, you hit my, the jackpot, my, first my pack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was I Carlo, lucked uh, that one.
7: Just so you and Lou know, your uh, your your
1: rookie cards are roughly comparable in value. I checked it out this morning.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> Carlos, yeah. your, yours might be worth. Just a touch more. It's got to be that Canadian junior experience. But you guys merci, are pretty well, merci. pretty well equal. in when it comes to sports cards value, on that yeah, note, apparently Carlo,
7: the, the sports card is, business is booming again, which is great to hear. Yeah, you should listen into our next interview after the break. Uh, hey, Carlo, little... m- my name's got a
2: little bit longer yours than yours. Don't don't forget <laughs> that. Okay, <laughs>
7: <laughs> it, it probably costs more to make
2: it. That's why it doesn't go for much. <laughs> You're probably right. That's why you don't see so many jerseys out there with my name on it. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Anyways, Carlo, we've got to let you go. Thanks again. All right, we, guys, you know, thanks. we, we enjoy, have you on. Every time we have you on, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Anytime. Thanks, Carlo Culiacobo. Check him out Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. on TSN Radio. First up with Michael Landsberg. We'll be right back.
5: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just thirteen ninety nine. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his seat. Pizzaville. Stone-baked pizza.
6: Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready?
0: If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos, and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby or Rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable and now it's payday mint Inc. trading cards and sports merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey baseball basketball football and soccer heroes now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights if you got them we need them mint Inc. trading cards and sports merchandise visit our store online at mintink.ca The only thing I love more than sports, is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. As usual, with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Uh, Joining us today, a good friend of ours, Leapin Lou Franceschetti. And we're pleased to welcome back on the line now, John Amendola. John Amendola is the owner of Mint. Inc.ca, a sports, uh, sports card and sports collectible enterprise. Uh, it's a crazy year in the sports card market. Things are going crazy. Uh, the hobby, the business at is its peak level ever. Good morning, John. It. How are you this morning? I'm great boys. How are you guys today? We're, we're fantastic. I want you to settle this one for us. Who's who's I'm a little
4: raspy, Wally. I was yelling until 3 in the morning, but I'm here.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. We'll uh, explain to our listeners exactly why uh, why you're tired on Sunday mornings. Uh, but, uh, you gotta, yeah, you got to settle go. a bet for us. Whose who's rookie card is more valuable, Lou Francescetti or Carlo Koliakobo?
4: <laughs> okay, well, you know, I, I grew up watching Lou. But yep. Carlo's brother um, is a good buddy of mine. He does all of our mint merch. And uh, I told him I want to get that 2001 box of juniors and see if we can open it with Carlo. So, Lou, thanks for a great childhood memories. But I'm going to have to go with Carlo on this one because, you know, there's a, I have another motive. <laughs>
2: oh, all right, buddy. I'm, I've taken a lot of blows, so my shoulders are broad to take anything
4: you got to give me. I love Anyways. it. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're on here with these two guys this morning, too. What a great show this morning.
1: John, uh, I, I, I sort of uh, raised this. I, I'm just curious. Uh, Maradona,
4: Does he have a, a rookie sticker. card? Yeah. There's a sticker from 1978, little Italian sticker, Argentinian. Like the company, it's um, uh, uh not Cugliacavo. And um, uh, the best condition you're going to find one is in and around an eight, which is near mint. It's about 30000 right now. One sold yesterday for 30000 they were about 12,000, I think, something like that in the spring. Um, they've been going up already just before he passed away because the soccer card market has just been absolutely fire. I can tell you about a CR7 that we closed the night off with um, at 2 o'clock this morning. But um, since he passed away, obviously, um, his cards, you know, you know, that's a huge trend in the space, too. Like, um, you know, look at a guy like the Golden Bear, 82, right? Where 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 would you actually find golf rookie cards? Um, I've got eight Growing up, I don't really remember. Currently right now, Wally, If you'd like to do one, we can do a transaction when the show's over. <laughs> okay, well, I got. I got. i no, call you. You can get them. Um, you just got to dig. You got to know the right people. But there is, um, you know, a card for everything and and anything before nineteen eighty five. Um, you know, you and I have talked a lot about this, how you have the Bobby Orr checklist and they're checked yep. off, but you don't have the card. Anything pre-90, um, 85 is, is got some serious value. The, the vintage market is very, 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 um, underpopulated and of course they're not making more of it. But yeah, you get into some of those, you know, you talk about Jack, you talk about Pele, you talk about some of these greats, um, you know, uh, Bellovo, et cetera. Um, unbelievable. The last time I was on here, um, Naz was asking me about the Gretzky stuff. So, now, since then, I've had a client invest some money into Wayne Gretzky. And we're buying these Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. An 8 and a 7. You're talking about 17,000, 18,000 wow. a card. The last time I was on, you asked me about them and the amount of transactions I've done since. So, it's like fine art. But I'll give you an example of why Gretzky's so popular. You guys were asking me about the, the Mint 10. So, there's only two to exist. It's the hardest card in the last 50 years to grade. There's currently one on auction right now. I think it's sitting at around three-quarters of a million, and it closes in a couple of weeks. So it's going to set some major precedent. It's going to be you know, the first hockey card you know, at that level, the first GOAT card to really – so it's going to set the market. Um, so you're seeing a lot of action in that place right now because it'll set the everything below it. You're going from a million, million and a half, a nine is 100000 just to give you an idea of, of – so th- that's why you hear me talk a lot about it, c- comparable to fine art, especially when we're talking about you hearing all these articles and radio stories now. You know the Kardashian uh, polar card that was worth you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So so that's what really um, you know. There, there's a big investor. There's a big investor community. There's a huge institutional presence in the space now too. It's basically become like the stock market, like they did with shoes. It's a commodity. The market just dictates you know supply and demand at its finest.
1: Uh, John, I will ask you why you're tired on Sunday mornings because
4: so, you're so, you're okay. working so, you're working Saturday nights. The hobby's uh, changed since we all remember collecting cards when we were younger, or when you were phoning Parkers because they stopped printing. So what we have now is you know, and especially given so um, the hobby's exploding. It didn't just happen. Now we're we're, we're hearing more about it now. But 2019 was actually topps' biggest year, Um, I think ever. So. You know, you have the oldest trading card company going, um, even coming off of, of you know the last twenty five years, early nineties, early seventies, these cyclical cycles, like the last twenty nineteen was lit for these guys and now it's next level. So um and Panini, the little sticker card that nobody remembers from twenty-five years ago, is now the um you know, king of the um uh, sandbox. And they have the light, uh, licensing rights to the most major sports. tops has soccer and, and baseball. But um, what's happening now, Walter, well, is it's turned into an online environment in the sense of not shopping, not the shopping experience. I mean, we've been online for a long time now. But, but, uh, but there's these live events where people are tuning in by droves, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people are tuning in. And we're, we're doing things called breaks where multiple people take part in an opening. So a box of cards these days, while you and I have talked about it, it's not 50 cents or 35 cents or even two or $5 a pack. You're talking in the 50 to a hundred dollar a pack, right? You know, Carlos talking about Tim Hortons packs. I went through the drive-through the other day and I ordered 50 packs. And the lady was like, I said, that's 50 packs is the same price as, you know, one pack of soccer cards. So people tune in, and they buy into these breaks, and, and, and we're opening cards, and you go into a draw, and you're given certain teams, and then you collect those. So imagine we're opening all these cards, and we pull out a $2,000 John Morant autograph like we did last night, and you have the Memphis Grizzlies, or... Thursday night's production, we pulled. Um, it was not for our production, but also um, besides the breaks, what will happen? All the is, is people will buy um, buy boxes for you to open for them, which we call personals. So people have the 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 mad rush and excitement of seeing their card open live They're in front of an audience, and there's lots of chatter and you know lots of back and forth and everything else. And then they get the cards a lot faster and quicker because shipping then becomes a lot different when it's an express letter and not and not a great big box. Um, So that's what's really, really changed the industry. And then what they've also done is, you know, on the supply and demand side, on Thursday, um, we pulled a a Lionel Messi one of one. So the only card in the world of this specific card, it was a Topps 2020 Museum soccer product. And a good friend of ours, Anthony, pulled this card. And it's probably a $10,000 card already. It's a brand new card. Well, Naz, uh, I'll give you uh, give you an opportunity.
3: John, how much uh, how much does the value of uh card go up after somebody passes away? So, like so
4: that's an interesting one. So you get a lot of people chasing um after these goats. Like, you know, again I'm I i do wanna take it don't take it out of context, but this is a big reason why I invested in Jack Nicholas, right? I mean again he's eighty two, he's one of the greatest ever. Uh, I've opened about a case of Upper Deck 2001 Upper Deck Golf, and I can't hit Tiger Woods, so I just figure Jack's the next best bet. But yeah, no, NAS it goes up quite a bit, especially given uh, you know somebody like Maradona. Although it was he wasn't expected to live a, you know a, a, even that age. Um, when you're talking about somebody that big, I mean, yeah, it definitely makes an impact. I, I'll find mm-hmm. out the exact stat, uh, and I'll let you know. I know you're a big stat guy. I don't have the the. Um, percentage, but, but Naz, I'm going to say like double or more would be very, 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 very much just the norm these days. Even like a player makes the hall of fame and the card skyrockets, you know, LeBron set his record. So, so, so you remember when we were young, when we were collecting cards, once you get past your first or second year card, the value considerably dropped off. Nowadays you got guys like LeBron James 17th year Laker cards worth cash. Uh Lou,
2: Uh, you know what it's a great business Uh, I had a lot of hockey cards uh, growing up where do we get a hold of obviously right now from what I'm uh, reading in the newspaper is that the NBA basketball players cards are are going through the roof Uh, and if you get lucky where you get one guy who's gonna uh, sign one uh, and you can keep it for years uh, we're we're like where do you find this other than uh, card shows
4: so, so, so you're right, Lou. So the autograph cards versus like back in your day, you know, we'd stand in line and we'd get you to autograph a card and that was a big deal. Now what happens is you sign a sponsorship deal with Panini or Upper Deck or Tops and they invite you over for a coffee and you sit there and you sign. It could be one card. It could be thousands of cards and then they insert the cards into the packs. That's the chase. It's called the chase. Now we're chasing the hits. So when you're buying these, um, product which i'll answer your question where you're buying a retail product at places like walmart and target and pretty much that's it again not like it used to be where every convenience store um walmart target toys r us and then there's hobby product which is um same product a little bit more expensive but it comes with guaranteed hits and the hobby product is made exclusively for people like us at the local card store so the local card shops exist um, in a bricks-and-mortar format, there's there's quite a few around town. It's obviously a large online presence as well. But the number one spot these days, Lou, besides Walmart, is in an online production. That's where people are going. Um, and then, of course, eBay, you know, if you're into the, the singles and you're collecting for your personal collection or specific players. But the new Wax. You know, and cracking new wax. Like like Carlos said, there's no better joy than when you open that packet card. And, you know, about six months ago, nine months ago, about a year ago, I started doing some due diligence, um, Q3, end of Q3 of 2019. But in January, February, I mentioned it to a few people and they kind of looked at me like, and then in the spring, uh, when we sort of soft launch, a couple people still said the same thing. And I said, you know, just wait six months, I guarantee you. So what's happening now is you're seeing it just, you know, I'm getting articles, whether it's ESPN or the Washington Post, you know, Wally sent me something the other day from Sportsnet. And I got something the other day from the globe. Like, you know, for anybody that's, um, I going to say 30, 35 and over up until into their seventies, like, I mean, you remember pre-cell phone, like, I mean, from, from 10 to 16, 17, like cards were my lightning. So Um, It's really awesome to see it come back, and it's really awesome to see how it's changed. And that's what we're doing. We're we're not trying to sell cards, um, you know, so to speak. We're not selling the cards, uh, a pack of cards, to make money. What we're trying to do is, yeah, we have to eat, and the production is, you know, it costs money to put on, but it's about the community, the the way that it's being embraced, the way it's bringing people together. Um, And I think especially during this pandemic, it's really giving people something that's relatable, something that they can kind of talk to and Again, from an investment point of view, like last night alone, Wally and as um, and Lou, I forgot Lou's there. We pulled um, three cards last night alone, worth over two grand. So again, you're opening a box of cards that's five hundred, a thousand dollars. But you're, you know, if you hit, you hit, so to speak. Uh,
1: John, uh, we're talking to John Amendola. John, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so I'm gonna, i gonna let you uh, uh, promo yourself just a little bit before we let you go. Um, we, I'm sure. Uh, our listeners have got, they've got that Bobby Orr rookie card. Maybe they got a few Jean Beliveau's. Maybe a Dave Keon, a Frank Mahovlich, a Phil Esposito. You know, a Gila Point, a Borea Salming, uh, a Rick Vibe. Uh, somewhere in the attic, he's or their in a basement. few Lou
4: Franceschetti too,
1: or, or a Lou Franceschetti or a Carlo Coliacobo.
4: There you
1: uh, go, Mint How do they? Uh, you're not just selling cards; you're buying this product. Yeah, and you're, we're, and we're you're varying,
4: selling, we're buying, we're doing consignments, we are, we're doing some, some exclusive, um, like I told you about the Gretzky stuff, we have some high-end Jordan uh, customers, um, and then old school, we have a showroom, you can come in, you can buy a pack of cards, you can buy a box of cards, you can buy a case of cards, you can find us online, and then the best place to watch the action is Thursday and Saturday nights, we have Breaks After Dark, uh we, we go on live around eight o'clock and there's you know, we'll go till two, three, four AM and it, it's awesome, Wally. I mean you've tuned in. We have a group and it's growing every week. Um and, and a lot of a lot of these people will tune in for hours. So, and joy. not just men, Wally. We have ladies that get in of on course. the action and we're not just Absolutely. opening basketball and hockey. UFC cards, soccer cards, basketball cards, baseball cards, every kind of card.
1: Mintink. M-I-N-T-I-N-K dot C-A. Check, uh, check it out. If they want to watch Breaks After Dark, how do they uh, Instagram, Mint, YouTube? Yeah, uh, ink how do you do 10, it?
4: So, Mint Ink 10 is the handle. Obviously, Mint Ink is the reference Is Mint is the top grading. Ink is obviously the ink on the card. And then we needed a number to go in there, and 10 is the ultimate grade. So, we're Gem Mint, baby. Mint Ink 10. Where we stream on all platforms: YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Instagram. Uh, full production. You can sit back on your couch on your big screen, and you can watch us pull fire all night. And the show, um, if we were on the radio, there'd be a lot of bleeps, So it's not PG. <laughs> uh, I swear a lot. It's really. I'm on here. It's easy. I, I keep telling myself, but it's still you know, on the internet. There's no holds bars, baby. Okay,
1: we'll let you go, John. John Amendola, Mintink.ca,
4: and you got Lou. I an want absolute to
1: pleasure talk? chatting with you. You got cards. Thank nice. All he's like got. you. You too. Take, Take too. care, guys. Nans and Lou, really quickly. College football playoffs are coming up. Uh Notre Dame's number two. Alabama's number one. Uh Clemson's number three. Ohio State's number four. How's it going to shake up between now and the end? going we'll
3: well, I I think to think there. be
1: Notre Dame and
3: Alabama in the
1: final. Oh man. I yeah, that I'm going to have uh that that would re- that would really be something. Luke. Uh,
2: If that happens, we'd have to watch it together, uh, (laughs) Wally. Uh, But I think the two games that are going to dictate everything is going to be Alabama-Florida and the next uh, Clemson and Notre Dame game will uh, dictate uh, where they fall. And don't be surprised if there's another COVID uh, attack with Ohio State that they might not even make
1: the Final Four. Well, the interesting part is seven games, uh, uh, quite a few games, got either postponed or canceled in college football uh yesterday seven of them so uh you know it's, uh, quite a few of the teams have already had outbreaks so that is the wild card in all of it uh certainly alabama Notre dame in uh in in the college football final would be would be incredible this this seems to be the best Notre dame team in a long long time they may actually give Alabama a game this year. Anyways, on that note, hopefully we see that happen. We're way past our uh, 10 o'clock expiry time. Got to go to all our listeners. Stay safe. Uh,
0: Be well. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you so much for listening in. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.